All right, thank you, sir. It's a little transition to go from Zoom to live streaming now. So welcome to all those who may be joining us virtually again as well. And uh, good morning to all those that are here in person. Uh, Book of Daniel, please. Uh, I'm so excited about this series that we're doing. And uh, looking forward to how the Lord may bless us uh, with this precious book over the next few months. Uh, it's just a tremendous book. And um, what I'd like to do this morning is this, is uh, we have the, the, the second half, or actually the last latter two-thirds, I guess, of uh, chapter one, which we're going to read momentarily. And what I'd like to do is just maybe try to draw some principles from uh, this first chapter of Daniel. Um, one of the things that's interesting is that uh, I think Harry Ironside says that uh, it is the greatest book of prophecy next to the book of Revelation. Um, except that you'll find in chapter 1 here, there's no prophecy. <laughs> and so um, we're going to be looking at, you know, uh, this book. I, I think this chapter, this chapter 1, kind of sets the scene for the whole book uh, of Daniel. And we're going to look at that. But let's, let's read it together. Daniel chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. It says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself, with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your face is looking worse than the young men who are your age. Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink, and then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies, and as you see fit, so deal with your servants. And so he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. And at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days, when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king interviewed them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm. And thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. And the Lord will bless the reading of his word again this morning. Uh, let's just uh, ask for God's help here. Our Father, we do ask now that uh, your Spirit would uh, lead us and guide us into all truth. 
we would pray this. We pray that uh, this morning um, that we would hear your voice. Uh, there are, uh, are so many voices uh, out there uh, today that um, are in competition with the one true voice. Um, and so, Lord God, we're thankful that we can kind of get away from the noise uh, of this life, this world, and and be able to come together here and, and, and to uh, glean truth from your word. And so, Lord God, if we were are to hear your voice this morning, I do pray again that we would not harden our hearts. Uh, Lord God, that uh, you would allow your word to uh, to cut deep and to mold us and shape us and change us into the people you want us to be. We pray this so that you may be honored and glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And so... Um, the first principle that we're going to look at this morning is just five principles, and I apologize, no alliteration today. Um, but uh, the first one is this, God loves those who stand for truth. God loves those who stand for truth. Um, Daniel uh, finds himself now uh, in a culture of absolute power. And I'm sorry for time's sake, we're not going to go back and, and, and review what Brian covered last week. I encourage you to go uh, online there and listen to the message last week about the Babylonian Empire, and how um, Judah got here. Uh, but here, Daniel now and his friends finds himself in a culture of absolute power, right? The king is sovereign, right? He, he, Daniel finds himself in, in a society that operates by power, not necessarily by truth. Uh, take a quick look at chapter 5 of Daniel. Even in the context here of chapter 1 today, you, you'll see that the, the chief of the eunuchs, he's terrified of the king. Right? He says, hey, Daniel, listen, I, I can't let you abstain from these things because guess what? Then when i got to present you to the king, if you don't look as good as the other guys, my head's off. I lose my head. And, and, and why does he have this fear? Well, because this is the type of empire this is. In, in Daniel chapter 5, verse 19, it says this. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. We're talking about Nebuchadnezzar now. Look what it says. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whoever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. Okay? This is the society that Daniel is operating in now. Okay? And it's a society that operates in power. However, Daniel, though, Daniel operates by the truth of his God. Daniel operates by the truth of God's word. If you look at uh, Daniel chapter 10, look at Daniel chapter 10 too, please. Daniel chapter 10, and, and we have this, this vision of this glorious man that, that, uh, that talks to Daniel here. And, and, and look what he says in verse 19. Now again, he's addressing Daniel. He says, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong, yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Lord, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Uh, Daniel here uh, is, is a great man of God, right? Um, and here he's described as this, this from this, um, this, this man here that's uh, 
um, this glorious man, right? That uh, he's a beloved man. He's beloved of God, right? And beloved by God. Well, why is he, right? I, I believe the reason is just in verse 21 there of that chapter. <clears throat> he continues and says, but I will tell you <clears throat> what is noted in the scripture of truth. You see, Daniel is connected with God and his truth. Okay? Daniel is connected with the writings of truth. And it's, it's into a pagan empire that does not operate on truth, but operates on power. You see, sometimes truth and power, they come face to face, don't they? In the book of Daniel, actually, you're, you're going to see throughout this entire book uh, a contest, if you will, or a conflict between truth and power, right? Over and over again, you're going to see it when it comes to the, the fiery furnace when, and when it comes to the lion's den and all these different things, right? Over and over, uh, truth and power are going to come together. And, and that's what's so great about this book, right? That, that's not relevant to today, right? <laughs> I mean, here is a man of God, right? A man who's connected with God and his truth. He's out of a one nation under God, and he's thrust into a Babylonian empire. He's a man of God under powers that are different than his God. That's exactly where the church is today, isn't it? Right? We are a called out of the nations. We are out of the Gentiles for his namesake. In Acts 15, it says, God at first visited the Gentiles to take out for himself a people for his name. And so we find ourselves also called out, just as Daniel was, right? And we ourselves are associated with the Son of God. But notice what 1 Timothy here it describes us as the church. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, it says, We are the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Of the truth. Just like Daniel, right? We're connected with God's truth. And so we ourselves are associated with the truth of God in Christ, yet the world that he's left us in is not under God. Right? It's not operating on truth, but on power. In fact, I'll show it to you in this. In Romans chapter 13, it describes the world in which we live. And it says, let every soul be subject under unto the higher powers. So we find ourselves in a pagan society that operates on power that has no regard for truth. And yet we are the ground and pillar of truth in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so remember the theme of our series here is how do we keep the faith, right, in a fallen kingdom? Or how can we remain faithful in a fallen world? Well, we like Daniel, right? We can stand up for truth in a pagan society. And, and here's the encouraging thing, right? Is, is um, you'll see that there's sometimes in Daniel here um, that, that the, the truth is put down by power. There are times when God allows that. But the encouraging thing for us is that we know this, is that in the end, truth prevails, doesn't it? In the end, truth always prevails. And that's the encouraging thing for us, and that's why we always have to um, stand up for truth. And like Daniel, if, if we are ones who stand for the truth, right, 
the, the truth of God's word, then we are beloved of God. God loves those who stand up for his truth and uphold his truth, just as Daniel does here in his day. And you're going to see Daniel and his friends, they do that throughout this entire book, where they have an, op an opportunity to either stand up for truth or to fall under the power that's operating in that society, and they stand up for truth. Now, the second principle is related to that is this, is that those who stand up for truth, right, manifest that truth in their own lives. Okay, those who stand up for truth manifest that truth in their own lives. So here's Daniel, right? He's away from home. He's away from where everyone is supposed to be doing it right. And now he's in a culture where nobody does it right. And it, in this place, this is where Daniel now, in verse 8, he purposes in his heart that he should not defile himself. Purpose means to, to make a devotion or to make a commitment. Right? Daniel made a commitment that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. Now, if you're Daniel and his friends, right, uh, I think it would have been easy for us to rationalize eating some meat and drinking some wine. Right? I mean, it's not, it's not a big deal. These are not one of the Ten Commandments. Right? These are, these are not a, a big deal. I mean, Daniel and his friends, if they think about it, they had nothing to do with this, right? This is the sins of their, their, their forefathers, those who were warned by God, as Brian showed us, right? They had every chance to repent, every chance to, to turn back to God, and yet they refused. And so you know what? They probably could have rationalized, saying, listen, here we are in this, this pagan society. What's the big deal? If we eat of the king's meat and we drink of the king's wine, right? We are to submit to our authorities. Let's, let's just partake of the king's delicacies. But Daniel said no, right? And, and was it because Daniel saw that, that the other diet would be more healthy? Well, that may be true, <laughs> perhaps, but that's not the reason the Bible gives us, is it? See? Um, What's tested here is the truth of God's ordinances. Uh, turn with me, please, to Leviticus chapter 11. In Leviticus chapter 11, God uh, lists, right, um, ways to behave for the nation of Israel, right? These are not fundamental truths, but these are um, truths that God has given them, ordinances that God has given them in, in, um, in helping them see how they are to behave as a nation, right? And uh, in, in chapter 11, uh, beginning in verse 43, okay, it says this, you shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy. For I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. This is the law of the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves in the water and every creature that creeps on the earth to distinguish 
between the unclean and the clean, and between the animal that may be eaten and the animal that may not be eaten. Did you notice something there, right? Um, so here God uh, puts down these, these ordinances, right? Because he wants them to understand, hey, listen, I want you to be set apart from those things which are unclean, and I want you to consecrate yourself to those things that are clean. You see, God, he's saying, I, I am holy, and so I want you to be holy. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> right? That verse right there that we just read is actually quoted in 1 Peter 1.16. It's the same for us as well, right? We are called to be holy because God is holy. And see, the issue uh, here is it being what God determines to be unclean. Okay? Not what we determine <laughs> to be unclean, but what God does. Okay? Then for God, those things were determined by God to be unclean, and so they were unfit uh, for the nation of Israel. Uh, in Psalm 119, Right, we're familiar with this. Psalm 119, um, verses 9 and 11 says this. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, Daniel decided right, not to eat the king's meat because God said it was unclean. See, when you stand up for truth, right, right, you need to manifest that truth in your own life. And here Daniel did so. We already talked about what Nebuchadnezzar was like. Okay? And I'm sure that the, the, the chief of the eunuchs was no different too. Right? He feared having an answer to the king. All right? But Daniel here was not going to defy himself. Right? Even in the little things. Here was just a little thing right, where God said, hey, listen, there are certain animals I don't want you to eat. There are certain things I don't want you to partake of because I want you to be set apart. I want you to separate yourselves from what I declare unclean. Man, church, listen, we need men and women of conviction today. Not just with the big things, with the little things. So many people in the church today are not willing to be convicted with what God says, hey, listen, this is not right. We, we put them up, we say, listen, those are minor things. No, they're biblical things. It doesn't say, but I would imagine many of the other Jews that were brought over from Judah, they probably didn't hold to these convictions. But Daniel and his friends, they said, no, no, no. We will purpose in our heart that we will not partake of these things because God said not to. God said it was unclean. And see again this idea of Daniel and his friends, they were faithful. They were faithful in what seemed like little things. Oh, how we need to be obedient to the little things too. God cares about the little things. God wants us to be obedient. He wants us to be holy, to be set apart. If you've come to know that truth, the truth of God, right, and you want to stand up for truth, well then it needs to be manifested in your life. You need to show it. Just as Daniel and his friends do here. And we know, Sue, that some of that pagan meat, right? right it probably would have had blood in it. Right? That some of the, that meat may have been offered, uh, uh, offered to, their, to their, their idols, their gods as well. But it's interesting that, that that meat would have blood in it, right? The Jew was told in, in Leviticus 17.11 that the life of the flesh is in the blood. 
and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. You see, the blood was something sacred. It covered the sin. Therefore, God did not want it to become some common beverage or some common diet. Right? It was to be set apart for God's use. In uh, 3 John, <clears throat> verse 3, it says this. It says, For I rejoiced greatly when brethren came and they testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. It says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You see, it is good to have the truth in us, but it is better to manifest that truth in our lives. I know you have the truth in you, but that's not enough. It's better to manifest that truth in our lives, right? We should not only hold the truth, but allow the truth to hold us, right? The world, right, they would rather see a sermon than hear it, wouldn't they? That's what they want. The world wants to see a sermon. They don't want to keep hearing a sermon. Nothing counts more for God in a pagan society than a holy life. Nothing. God is concerned with holiness. God is concerned with how we live our lives. And so not only... Um, do we see that, that, that God loves those who stand up for truth, right? And, and when we stand up for truth, that means that that truth is manifested in our lives, right? That we are called to be holy. But the third principle here is this, is that then God reveals himself to those who manifest the truth in their lives. What do I mean by that? Well, there's an interesting verse here. You don't have to turn there, but in Psalm 25, Psalm 25, verse 14 says this. Listen to this very carefully. It says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. And He will show them His covenant. God reveals Himself. God reveals His truth to those who are serious about living for him. God wants to reveal himself. God wants to reveal the truth of his word to those who are serious about the relationship with God. We already saw here, Daniel, right, is very serious about being obedient to the word of God. So much so that he purposed in his heart that he would not partake of the king's food or drink the king's wine. And what did God do, right? Daniel was able to write probably the second greatest book of prophecy. Right? God gave to him the secrets, the things that he had held. Right? He shared them with Daniel. Gave revelation to Daniel. I think for one reason it's because Daniel took his relationship with his God seriously. He took it seriously. The truth of God was manifested in his life, right? And so God revealed to him some tremendous truths that he revealed to no one else but Daniel. I'll give you another example, right? 
this word really jumped out to me. I never, I never caught this before, and we quote this verse all the time, right? In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, right? That, that prophecy, right, never came by the will of man, right? But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So you have these men, right, who penned the very words of God here, right, in this Bible. But I never called it. Did you see how they described the men who did it? Holy. Holy men. It wasn't just any men. It wasn't just any Christians at that time. Right? God allowed holy men, men who took their relationship with God seriously and allowed them to write the words of God, revealed truth to them through the Spirit of God. That's what God does. You see, a worldly-minded believer may never truly understand the truth of the Word of God. If you're a worldly-minded believer, if you're not concerned with obeying God even in the little things, you're not going to understand the truth of God's Word. But someone who is serious about obedience and living for God God will show you amazing things from his word. I believe he will. And perhaps as you read the pages of your Bible and you think, man, I don't understand this, I'm confused, I feel like I'm getting nothing out of this, maybe you need to take a look at what kind of life you're living. Because I think one of the principles here that we see in the life of Daniel is God will show you amazing things from his word, but only if you're serious. Only if you take this Christian life seriously. Only if you stand up for the truth of God. Only if the truth of God is manifested in your life as you seek to live holy as He is holy. God will show you amazing things in His Word. The fourth principle we see here is that servants of God, they not only strive to please God, but also strive to please men. Look at verse uh, 8 again of Daniel chapter 1. The, the second half of there, it, it says, Daniel, remember we already said, and purposed in his heart that he was not going to. Right? But notice his humility, right? Daniel's not arrogant. He's not cocky. He's not rude. Right? He holds to his convictions, but with humility. He requests, right? He says, he requested of the chief of eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And when the chief of eunuchs says, hey, listen, man, i got to answer to Nebuchadnezzar, right? Daniel goes to the one who is actually uh, beneath the chief of eunuchs, not to usurp him anyway, but this is the guy that would actually be responsible directly to Daniel and his friends, right, in verse 11. He's the steward, right? Um, and, and he goes to him and, and, and asks him, right? He makes a request to say, hey, listen, how about we just do a 10-day trial, right? Let, let's test, let's do a test. Me and my friends, we'll, we'll eat these vegetables only. The other guys with the other thing. And let's just see what happens. You see, the challenge for these men was to avoid the defilement of the king's food while at the same time avoiding a confrontation with the Babylonian authorities. Daniel must strive to please God and men. Now, later in the book, we know that Daniel... His three friends, right? They must disobey the king, right? And face his wrath. There are times when we have to do that, right? Um, but in this case here, Daniel's striving to not only please God, but to also to please men. 
In chapter 1, there's no civil disobedience. Right? Daniel finds a way to be obedient to God without being disobedient to his civil authority. This ideal is actually found elsewhere in Scripture. When we read of Samuel, the prophet Samuel, in chapter 2, verse 26, it says, The boy Samuel was growing in stature and in favor with both the Lord and with men. Right? Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7. Actually, uh, when, when I was 13 years old, um, I had to read the book of Proverbs and I had to choose two of my favorite verses. And this was actually one of my favorite verses, which is kind of strange when you're 13. I'm not sure why this stood out to me. But it says this in Proverbs 16, verse 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. There's this ideal here. But I'll give you even one more, right? What does it say about the Lord Jesus in Luke chapter 2? It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. With men. See, there will be times when we must choose between pleasing God or pleasing men. And in such times we must choose to serve God, right? And not men. Though sometimes we're tempted to forget this, let us strive to please God and men. Daniel's a tremendous example of this. Where Daniel, in humility, right? He, he doesn't disobey the civil authorities. He goes and in humility requests, hey, listen, can I just try this? I think it's a tremendous principle that we can learn ourselves in this world. That to serve God, sometimes we need to please God, always please God, but also please men sometimes too. And the fifth principle here is this. <clears throat> Those who honor God will be honored themselves. And so Daniel uh, and his friends, they do the, the, the 10 days. They only eat vegetables. And uh, certainly, as we know from the story here, um, they, they physically, they look better than everyone else. <clears throat> and, uh, and they're presented even before the king. And, and, and he says they're 10 times um, better than, than everyone else, the, the astrologers, the magicians, and things like that. And so what we see here is God actually honors Daniel uh, and his friends, not only with a, 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 a better physical appearance, it says, uh, I believe in verse 15, right? It says their features appeared better and fatter, okay? That uh, not only did God honor them with a better physical appearance than anyone else, but God also gave them, you'll see in verse 17, that he gave them knowledge and skill in, in all literature, right? As well as wisdom. And we read even that Daniel, God allowed him to interpret dreams and visions, right? You see, listen, uh, brothers and sisters, wisdom comes to those who put God's word into practice. You may think, hey, listen, I want to get wisdom, so I'm going to read, 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 and I'm going to... Listen, there's certainly value to that. There's certainly value to study and, 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 um, and reading and, and meditating and praying. Uh, but I really believe, too, that God um, gives wisdom, right, to those who put his word into practice, right? Uh, it is not just those who are aware of God's truth who are wise, but those who act in obedience to that truth. That's what makes you wise, right? Not that just you're aware of God's word, but as you act in obedience to that, that's what makes you wise. In Hebrews chapter 5, again, another word that jumped out to me, I uh, never quite saw this before, is uh, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, we always hear this verse, right, that solid food is for the mature, 
right? But look what he says. He says, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Guys, it's not enough just to be aware of the truth of God, right? It's for those who practice it. And God wants to honor those who honor him. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, it says, For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. You think of another, when we look at this, the life of Daniel, does anybody else come to your mind? Right? First one I think of is Joseph, right? Their, their lives are very similar. But look at both of these men, right? As they're going through all these things, right? You know, Daniel's brought into exile, into Babylon. Uh, you know, he's most likely castrated. He's a, a, a eunuch. He's, he's, his name is changed, right? Um, they're trying to brainwash them with their schooling and things like that. And yet, you're going to see in this book that, that God gives Daniel influence, right? He finds favor with these eunuchs, the chief of the eunuchs. I mean, how is that possible? These guys are prisoners, right? They're the enemy, and yet God gives them favor. Look at Joseph, right? Joseph is a guy in prison. He interprets the dream for the king. He's made second in command over all the land, right? Because these men honored God, and therefore God honored them. There's a key that is found in both of these men, Daniel and Joseph. And that key is faithfulness. Faithfulness. They remain faithful. That's all God asks. God wants us to remain faithful. Yes, we are living in a, in a nation now that it's getting worse and worse. Right? right? More and more, just as we learned last week, our society is trying to remove God from this nation. Okay? Remove God from anything, right? That's what we're living in now. That's where you live. There's no denying it. Okay? You're living in Babylon. <laughs> right? But God wants us to remain faithful. Faithful, just like Daniel does, just like his friends, just like Joseph. Right? Put God first. Okay? Put God first in everything. So how can we remain faithful in a fallen world? How can we keep the faith in a foreign kingdom? Brothers and sisters, purpose in your heart this morning that you will not defile yourself with the things of this world. Purpose in your heart right now. You know the truth. The truth is in you. Okay? But that truth has to be manifested in your life. Okay? Those things in your life you know right now that are unclean, put them away. I was just uh, uh, looking again at Ephesians chapter 4, um, where Paul, right, only Paul can do this, right? He, he goes from this very high, lofty theological discussion about how you were once Gentiles, right? And now you are part of the body of Christ, right? You are, you are a new creation, right? Um, and then, as Paul does, right, then he gets right down to the nitty-gritty, right? He gives six concrete examples of, okay, listen, now that you're a new creation, right, you, you put off your old self once and for all, but now you need to put off the conduct that was associated with that self, right? And he gives all these examples that you need to do. That, that's what God wants, right? Yeah, you put your old self off once and for all. It's buried with him in baptism, right? It's gone, okay? Right? But now you've got to put off that conduct that was associated with that. 
if you want to be faithful to God, right, in a fallen world, if you want to keep the faith in a foreign kingdom, purpose in your heart that you will not defile yourself, that you'll put off those things that are, that are unclean. You know, Paul there, he keeps talking about put off and put on, right? He, he's talking about clothing, right? Which is something you do every day, right? We put things off for a certain reason. We put things on. So maybe you put off the clothes you wore for that day and you put on pajamas to go to bed at night. Or you maybe put off your clothes from work, which is a role you had, and then when you come home, you put on your, your comfortable clothes so you can relax, okay? Or think of someone who's in prison, right? You have prison garbs, right? right? You have a particular role at that time. You're a prisoner. But once you have been set free from your custody, does prisoners still wear their garb? Of course not. They put off those garbs and they put on ordinary clothes. But that's what Paul is saying. If you want to be faithful, put off those things. Hey, you're someone new now. Right? Put it on. Separate yourself from those things that are unclean and consecrate yourself to those things that honor God. And listen, put God's word into practice. Hey, it's not enough, church, to be aware of the truth of God's word. It's not, a, it's not enough. Okay? You have to put it into practice. Right? And when you put it into practice... God will show you amazing things from his word. Wouldn't that be great this year? This year in 2021, that we would purpose in our hearts, right? That we would not defile ourselves, right? That we would put into practice those things that, that we know in the truth of God's word. And then let's see what God shows us this year. I believe, I trust that God will honor us. God will honor those who honor him and he will show us amazing things, amazing truths from his word. If We just honor him. Let's pray. <clears throat> oh, our Father, we are so grateful for the truth of your word. And I know John, uh, your servant, uh, said there was no greater joy for him than to see uh, his children walking in truth. And Father, I would imagine you could, you could echo John's statement, right? that I, I think it brings you joy uh, to see your children walking in truth. And so we just, uh, we would ask that uh, even as we, we hear the truth of your word this morning, uh, Lord God, that, that we would put it to practice, right? That we, we want, as we go out there into this world, uh, that, that the truth of your word is manifested in our lives, that people see it. Um, and so, Lord, we, uh, we know that we can't do that in our own strength, our own flesh, only as we yield to the Spirit of God and we allow him to empower us uh, in our lives, Lord. And so we just uh, pray that we would be like Daniel. In Jesus' name, amen.